0: Good evening. It's good to see all 300 of you. I'm kidding. Yeah, there you go. Welcome to Tuesday Evening Chapel. It's good to see you guys, and happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. Tell the person next to you happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, even though they're not your Valentine's. It's a privilege to have one of our professors with us this evening. Uh, Professor David Church is the director of our Leadership and Ethics class here at uh, Ethics Program, Leadership and Ethics Program here at NBC. Uh, He's back over here. Would you please welcome him, Professor Church. He's going to be helping us here from the Lord this evening. Also, uh, as you can tell, we have a little different setup this evening. Our music department is going to be leading us in worship for these next uh, couple of days. And this is the praise band for uh, NBC. So let us, let us worship this evening, okay? Good evening. Good evening. It's uh, good to be with you this evening. And uh, I'm excited about, about this evening. Because of what God has laid on my heart to talk to you about. Part of that excitement comes from the fact that I really believe that my generation has uh, managed in some ways to make the church irrelevant. And I see in you the hope that we can bring it back to the place where God intended for it to be, and what it is that he has for us. And so I'm excited tonight because I uh, want to talk to you about bizarre behavior. Have you ever done anything bizarre? (laughs) A couple of you? A couple of you even admit it? today is Valentine, so I, I have to tell you that in 1994 I did something really bizarre at the time I was single and uh, I wasn't sure what God was doing in my life at the time but I knew that he had something in store for me and so one day around Christmas time in 1994 I went and picked up the telephone and started to dial a number and I uh, put the phone back down and I paced my apartment a little while and I came back and I picked it up again started to dial the number put it down again yes we still had uh, we didn't have cell phones so we still were <laughs> dialing you know. <sighs> finally uh, finally I picked up the phone and just made the plunge And uh, the reason I was nervous was that I had uh, identified who I thought was the most beautiful woman the most sophisticated woman and the most intelligent woman that I knew and I was picking up the phone to call her and I hadn't talked to this lady in years hadn't seen her in years and I wasn't sure whether she would even talk to me or not Tonight, she's with me, and I just want to say she's still the most beautiful lady, most sophisticated lady I know, and intelligent. Well, we all have bizarre behavior. And Christ was not an exception, was he? Some of the stuff he did was pretty bizarre from our perspective. What, what is this, anyway? You remember, it seemed like every miracle that he would do, he would say, shh, now don't you tell anybody. Go back to your village. Shhh, don't tell anybody. Is that bizarre? I mean, he was coming to be the king and the messiah, right? And it's, shh, don't tell anybody. I, I don't know about you, but I find that kind of bizarre. That's kind of weird. Um, and so tonight I want to look with you and it's a different passage than what uh, I gave Reverend Nels because the Lord directed me to a different passage after I gave him that but we're in mark tonight so I'd like to spend a few moments with you in mark and we're going to uh, begin in chapter 8 if you have your uh, Bible there uh, turn with me to Acts chapter eight. Uh, I'm sorry, Mark chapter eight, verse twenty-two, and a bizarre story, uh, one that makes, for years, has made little sense to me. It's made almost as much sense as this. Shh! Don't tell anybody. No, I, I didn't get that. So here we are in Mark chapter eight, verse twenty-two. And they came to Bethesda and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? What's he say? He said, I see people. They look like trees walking around and once more Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes and the man's eyes were opened and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly and Jesus sent him home saying what don't tell anybody right now do you know of another passage in scripture where Jesus didn't get it right the first time? What's up with that? Isn't it kind of bizarre? Why did Jesus have to do this twice? Did he not have the power to heal this man the first time? Sure he did, right? So, So why didn't he heal him the first time? Well, I've come to believe, through some teaching of uh, Reverend Scott Daniels at Pasadena First Nazarene, uh, that this passage is a transitional point in Jesus' ministry. Now, if you look at this whole book of Mark, we begin in chapter 1 with Jesus' uh starting his ministry, being baptized, right, and, uh, and tempted by the devil, and then in the next chapter we see him uh, healing sick people and having power over the physical body, and then we see him in chapter four where he's raising a little girl from the dead, right? You, you remember these stories, right? You, you've read this and teaching in the temple with what? Power and authority. Able to dispute what, the, what has been taught in the temple. And then you see him calming the storm, right? He's asleep in the boat. Remember that? Here it is in, this, in Mark, telling us about it. And he stands up and he says, Peace be still, and the storm stops, right? And he has power over nature. And then we see him feeding the sick. And again, healing people. And then he comes to this chapter 8. And he can't heal this guy with the first touch. Right? Isn't that kind of bizarre? And oh, by the way, sh- Let's move on in this passage. Verse 27. And Jesus said to his disciples, I'm sorry, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi on the way he asked him, who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others say one of the prophets. But what about you? What do you say? And Peter pipes up, right? He's got to jump in there. And Peter says, you are the Christ. And Jesus again says what? Shh, don't tell anybody. Right? So we've come through the first half of this book of Mark where Christ is teaching and preaching in Galilee, and all of these wonders and all of these miracles and everything he's doing, he says, shh, don't tell anybody. And then we come to this transitional point in this this book where Jesus heals this blind person and the first time he touches him what happens he says i can see people walking around as trees right it's kind of like well i can see but not clearly i don't have a good perspective of what's going on here and this miracle seems to say to us Christ could have done this in one touch had he chosen to but he chose for a reason to have a division here between the first four cha- first eight chapters and the last eight chapters and to give us a different picture of who Christ is now i'm I am excited about the first 8 chapters of Mark and all of the miracles and all of the things that Jesus did and I'm excited about telling others about this Jesus who has the ability to save me from my sins and to uh, raise me spiritually from death and all of the things that he can do. But I'm convinced tonight that there's another picture of Jesus that he wants us to see. I think my generation has missed it. We have been stuck in the first eight chapters of Mark. And we love to tell people, oh, don't worry about it, God will be with you. He can calm the storm, he can bring in anything you need, he can take care of your life. And that's all true. That's all true. But is that the reason he came? Let's read on, shall we? Verse 31. Before I go there, Peter got this right, didn't he? He got the right answer. He said, you are the Christ. And then almost immediately, he gets in trouble again. Me. Verse 31. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief, priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days, rise again." And he said, "Shh, don't tell anybody. Right? Is that what it says? no it isn't what it says it says he spoke plainly and boldly about this he told everybody right i'm going to be killed i'm going to die and on the third day i'm going to be i'm going to rise again and what do his disciples say about that and peter grabs him by the arm and takes him aside, pulls him to the side and says, wait a minute, the Messiah doesn't die? This doesn't happen. You're able to still the storms. You're able to do all of these miracles. You're able to do, the Messiah doesn't die. You're coming into your kingdom. I'm gonna be on the right side, and I'm gonna have a place of prominence, and I'm gonna have power and authority. I'm going to oversee the kingdom with you. And jesus and he pulls Jesus aside and wait a minute, this isn't right. This isn't how it's supposed to be. I didn't see it this way. Sounds kind of like my life sometimes. Not exactly the way I thought it was going to be. Not the way I thought it ought to be. And Jesus says, in verse 33. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Right? Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. My generation loves that first eight chapters, we love that picture of Jesus everything's good with a little divine sprinkling on it right everything's good if you got this powerful jesus at your side dealing with your issues helping you through the day doing all the things as long as it's what i wanted to do right and as long as his power is with us oh we can do mighty things and i can be powerful and i can be at the right hand of the father and i can look good and i can be what I think I want to be, but this picture of Jesus is different. Starting in in chapter 8, Jesus turns and it says he puts his face like a flint towards Jerusalem. We've seen this Jesus of Galilee, and now we're seeing the Jesus of Jerusalem that's different, right? And now he, talks, now he talks to us in parables about being a servant and not being first. He's talking about drawing our life into his hands and seeing what he will do with it, right? This is a different picture of Jesus. It's not the picture that my generation loves. My generation loves this power and wealth and authority, and we like to talk about Jesus as if he can do anything that needs to be done, and he can, but we want it our way. We want it our way. And part of the reason I'm excited tonight is because I I think I see when I talk to some of you that you get it, you understand, that it's not about this power and prestige and wealth and money and being the chairman of the board, and it's not about being up front on Sunday. It's about serving others. It's about pouring out your life into other people's lives, being Christ to other people. It's about saying to God, I, just, I don't want to just be a friend of yours. I don't want to just be in communion with you but I want to be in partnership with you. I want to give everything there is of me. I want to do what you want me to do, not what I want to do. When I was a child, we talked about that as dying like a dog on the at the mourner's bench, right? Some of you know that you've been there. You You've heard those phrases. But this... This picture of Christ that is the Jerusalem Christ is the Christ that is willing to come, to give his life, to give his all, to die that you and I might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. And in this second half of Mark, he calls you and I to do that same thing. He calls us to give ourselves That others might have life and have it more abundantly he calls us to give our life into full-time ministry or he calls us and I think my my generation got it wrong again we think the most spiritual person is that full-time pastor that gets up on Sunday morning and preaches to all these Christians and spends 95% of their time with Christians and the real people that are doing the ministry are those ones that are the plumbers and the carpenters and the and the school teachers and all of those that have poured their life out into their ministry and God has ordained them and given them a call and a mission and a purpose to do what it is that he wants them to do and that's what my challenge is to you tonight yes I love this picture Of the Galilean Christ able to calm the storms and has power and authority and all of that but I want to know are you willing to come and to give yourself completely and totally and sacrifice completely and have some new dreams have some new missions and some new purposes and have God live his life through you so that you are a channel of his peace and grace. Now, I don't know what God's calling you to do. Whatever it is, it's important. And I don't know where that will take you, and I don't know how that will happen, but I know that's much more important than living over here in this life where isn't it all fun and good, and let's add a little God on top of our life, and let's sprinkle a little... uh, dust on our life and let's go to church on Sunday and let's look good and be powerful and have people look at us as if we are important when Christ calls us to this ministry of serving others this ministry of giving ourselves and giving our lives totally to whatever it is so that when we get up in the morning it's not about God will you come with me and help me here it's about God what are we doing today where am I going what is it you need from me how do I plug into your purposes two different pictures one is not clear it's seeing people walking and looking like trees that's what I think so many of my generation have done they come to Christ but they don't get it they don't have a vision they don't understand But in the second half, this vision where it becomes clear what our purpose is, that's what God calls us to. I've gone over my time. Sorry. Do you know this Christ of Galilee? If you don't, he's an awesome Savior, he's an awesome guide. He has the power to turn your life around, to free you from the things that are problems in your life. But I want to know tonight, do you also see him? Do you also know him as the Jerusalem Christ? Do you see him as the person that has control of your life and is giving you purpose and meaning and direction? And are you willing to pour All of your dreams out on the altar today are you willing to invite him in and give him complete control of who you are do you see the Christ of Jerusalem tonight there is a difference there is a difference you can live your whole life over here enjoying the power of Christ and all of that and not be fully committed and not fully surrendered and not fully knowing your purpose and your will, his will for you. This evening as we close, if the Lord's been speaking to you, I hope that you will open your heart to him tonight. This Jesus of Jerusalem, the one that has come with a purpose and died on the cross that you might have life, are you willing to submit yourself fully to him, and allow him to move through you tonight. Let us stand together. Father, I thank you that uh, you love us so extravagantly, and that you gave your life that we might have life and have it more abundantly. I just ask that you would help us to give that same sacrifice that this world might be a better place that your will might come to this place that the social justices that all of the things that come with the kingdom of God can be a reality in this place because we are fully surrendered and willing to sacrifice our lives that we might find it again in you now father go with us from this place give us your grace and wisdom don't let us we pray get away from this picture of jesus of jerusalem but may it play over and over again in our mind may it make a difference in our daily life as we ask together what can i do to be christ to those around In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.